Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest is a parenting expert, astrologer, and author. She writes positive parenting books based on astrology in order to help parents have the best, strongest relationship possible with their children. She offers a unique perspective on astrology and positive parenting, including reparenting as an adult in order to better parent our children. She was a single mum for a few years, now remarried, and her divorce prompted a review of her life, and she realised that she needed to heal from childhood trauma, including the death of her father and narcissistic abuse. She began using astrology, including the study of the birth charts, to become a better parent, and she has written two parenting books and published regular astrology and parenting content on her YouTube channel. One of her main tenets is that parents should respect children's intrinsic natures rather than pressure children to be how the parents want. She calls this tendency parenting from a place of ego, since it's more about fulfilling the parent's ego and needs than the children's soul needs. Welcome, Marie Rigger. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Claire, for having me. Very excited to be here. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so tell us a bit about yourself and who you are. Uh, it's a tall order of a question. I'll, I'll be br- as brief as possible. Uh, so I am an attorney by day. I'm in the United States. I'm an author by night. Um, and um, I write in addition to fiction books, I write uh, parenting books, and I incorporate astrology, astrological principles, and positive parenting into my parenting books. And uh, so that's kind of like one of my passions. I've I've come a long way on my own parenting journey, and now I'm kind of sharing those insights with other parents. Wow. Okay. So what? So I said a little bit about childhood trauma, and you realizing you needed to heal. From childhood trauma, etc. Um, what was your turning point? What made you realize that you had childhood trauma and then that you needed to heal it as such? Like what was it, what was how was it manifesting itself? Sure. Um, that is a wonderful question and a very deep question. So uh yeah, my sorry. father no, it's fine. It's it's a great question because it's help I think it's helpful for people like on their own healing journey to kind of tease that out so there can be self-aware, right? Of the need for healing. So um, my you know, father died in a, an accident when I was very young. And then um, I also, as a child, suffered, you know, narcissistic abuse at the, from my remaining parent, my living parent. So uh, that was tough. And if anyone who's familiar with narcissistic abuse knows that it's a kind of a long-term psychological, emotionally draining type of abuse, and it's hard for a child to understand. It's almost impossible for a child to understand what's happening. I was going to say. Right. So I, so basically when I had my son who is now 12, when he was very little, like around two or three, I was kind of carrying on the same parenting practices, how I was parented. And I realized at some point how harmful it was. I was yelling, I was causing him this trauma and I was harming my attachment with him and my connection with him. And I remember very clearly thinking one day, there has to be a better way of doing this. I am not parenting the right way. I don't really know how to do better, but I'm going to figure this out. So that's kind of what started this whole thing. And it was actually starting to read about parenting and going to therapy my own therapy sessions and reading about early childhood development, that's when I realized how harmful my own childhood had been, the way I was parented, how harmful it was, how it set me up to have all kinds of problems as an adult, extreme people-pleasing, 
poor boundaries, things like that. And I realized that sometimes parents even unwittingly cause their children to be conditioned negatively like that. It's not that they intend that. It's just that they're using the techniques they know. And, and, and sometimes those techniques will cause the children to grow up into adults with these issues, emotional issues, relationship issues. Right. So that was kind of what started the whole thing. And that was like, you know, 12 years ago when my son was born. So that was sort of this whole process where I, the original impetus was to improve my parenting and it started me on this whole kind of healing journey, which included reparenting myself. Wow. Yeah. And, and you're right. You are right. It's, it's at the end of the day, I suppose we learn our parenting from our parents because they're the only people who parented us, right? At the end of the day. So, right. And that's your model for all future relationships. But then they learn to parent from their parents as such and so on and so forth and and all of the trauma i mean uh, coming from the uk we had two world wars in the uk so you had all of the trauma Mm -hmm. from those you know those wars um affecting people ptsd that wasn't really a thing way back then um that people were dealing with and going through and just basically getting on with allegedly normal lives, but it was manifesting itself in so many different ways. And, um, yeah, and so basically it's not anybody's fault as such, It's, but it's I, like I agree with you. It's about stopping that cycle, stopping that continuation of parenting as such in a negative um, way. And hats off you hats off to you for doing that. Um right, like, absolutely. I do, and I'm a shower Thank as well. You. I think it's just my natural makeup. Um, so but I you know, and I yeah, I like there have been times, and I can think in the last two weeks where I've gone, oh my god. Um, yeah. and like I still do it. Sure. But then you go, Oh, that's just not an effective way right. of doing it. And and the important thing is when you that happens. Yourself. You catch yourself and you apologize to your child. Yes. No parent is perfect. It's not going to happen. But if you know I messed up and you tell your child, I mean, your child is seven, I think. He's seven, right? Six. He's six. six. He'll be he's seven six. in October. So he's still yeah. old enough to understand the apology. Yeah. Right. So if you apologize and say, hey, I lost my cool. A lot of things going on right now. I'm exactly stressed about right. a lot of things. That is a great way to then bond because, you know, a, a child seeing that the parent apologizes to them, that makes the child feel important, that they matter, their feelings matter, their mental state matters. And that actually goes a long way toward bonding. So that's perfectly fine. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. We all mess up and that's the, that's, it's how you handle the mistake. And I right? think it's good that's to show point. your child that we all mess up. Like at the end yes. of the day, you know, they're going to mess up. I mean, I've yeah messed up right royally in my life right but like um so but I think it's important to show and to sort of not make out that you are perfect parent 101 because right. they're gonna think oh god you know I've messed up I can't say anything and you know so yeah yeah right. yeah right no I agree agree but okay so I have another question for you then sure so I understand about all of the healing your trauma understand completely um we all have trauma as well um because it's misunderstandings as such i mean yours is probably uh not misunderstandings but sometimes it can be as a child you misunderstand or misinterpret a situation that gives you trauma because you tend to focus and say oh it's all about me i must be this person when actually it wasn't and if it's not explained to you then it's all about you then and you can misinterpret and cause your own trauma as such as well um but i have to ask why astrology like how did astrology come into the mix i get that question a lot so uh i will tell you i've been i'll give you the short version i'll try to I've been kind of interested in astrology as a hobby, like all my young life, like from a kid on up. And um, as I got older, I'm a very logical person. Things kind of have to make sense to me, right? And as I got older, I real I saw and experienced patterns with the energy, like people with particular birth chart placements exhibited particular traits or particular characteristics or 
could be more introverted or more extroverted or approach the world from a place of logic or a place of emotion and intuition. And I, as the years progressed and I, I saw these patterns so consistently, I determined there must be some merit to this, to studying this, particularly the study of the birth chart, which is a snapshot of the position of the planets at the moment of the person's birth. So I started to study it more intently and I found it helpful as a tool for kind of self-knowledge and reparenting, along with all the other tools, psychotherapy, self-help books, cognitive behavioral therapy, all these things are helpful, EMDR, obviously. So astrology is just one kind, another tool to help self-knowledge. And in talking to other adults who are in my position of kind of healing from childhood trauma, reparenting themselves, a common theme I hear with them is that they had been people pleasers for so long that they don't even know who they are, what they want, what they want out of life, because they've been so attuned to the to pleasing other people all the time, starting with the parents, that they don't know. So the birth chart can actually help with that, because the birth chart will tell you things like how, how you tend to approach life, whether you approach life more from a place of rationality, logic, or a place of emotion, intuition. Um, you know, it, it'll tell you what you need to feel safe in relationships, how you recharge your energy, how you deal with your emotional world. Are you more stoic emotionally or you wear your emotions on your sleeve? Things like that. So it's a good starting point for people to kind of understand themselves. And when I talk to people about the birth charts and I explain and ask questions, a lot of what I talk about with them resonates very strongly because they felt like they had to repress their own characteristics as children so I did. I do find it very helpful for that to start that process of self knowledge, as long as obviously people are open to studying it. Not everyone is, and that's fine. But yeah, yeah. So I, and then I, from the the point of, so it's obviously helpful to study in relationships, and it's helpful in parent child relationships because one of the issues I found was that a lot of parents tend to project their own characteristics, needs, wants, preferences on the children. They assume the children are kind of carbon copies of themselves. That's obviously not true. Right. God, no. So it's not true. Well, so, I mean, just, my, there are traits that my son has that are yeah. similar to me, but sure. he's so his own I mean, person. He has half your chromosomes. So yeah, there are going to be some similarities, yeah. but there, and I have several examples I could use of my son and me where I was kind of found myself projecting my own traits and preferences onto him. And that's where studying the child's birth chart is helpful because it will guide you to their specific intrinsic characteristics as opposed to the parents. So that is helpful. Um, and then you can, looking at two, the, the parent's birth chart and the child's birth chart, you can kind of help them, help the parent understand how to relate to the child. Some children yeah. are extremely independent. Some children are like my son is a um, Scorpio son, a lot of Scorpio placements. He needs a lot of attachment. He needs a lot of connection. He He's very emotional. If I raise, like, raise my voice even a little bit, it's very triggering for him. Other kids may not, that may not bother them as much, but it bothers him. So things We're like that. We're a house of Librians, so, so oh, yeah, don't even Libras. go there. Like, and my dad's a Libra, Libra oh, wow. as well, and I'm yeah. a Libra, and my son's a Librian, and so oh, wow. yeah, don't yeah. We're just hopeless. <laughs> well, if that's a Libra's a great sign because. Libra children, so Libra is very relationship oriented. So the Libra children mm. are just very prone to attach to the parents. Other kids are like way, way more independent and kind of want to separate earlier from the parent. But Libra children, they're so relationship oriented that they seek attachment so closely with the parent that that's good for you because that makes that attachment a little bit easier. So yeah, and obviously if you have the same sun sign, you kind of innately understand that about him. So mm. it takes less effort for you to understand it. Parents who have energy that's very different from the children, it takes them a lot more effort yeah. to understand the child. It's possible. It just takes more effort. But if you have similar energy, it takes you less effort. It feels a little bit more natural. So that can be helpful. It, it can be a little less work sometimes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I have to say, right, yes. what you're talking about, your astrology, right, and when you talk about birth mm. charts and all of this stuff, this isn't right. like the astrology you read in the newspapers where it goes, Libra, you're going to have a fluffy day and all of this stuff and, you know, you're going to get a, a winning soon and all of this. That is completely different to what you're doing, isn't it? 
That's correct. So what you read in the newspaper about horoscopes, like your horoscope outlook for the day, that's generally for fun. Um, we're talking about, right, studying the position, sign and house position of the planet at the moment of one's birth. So it's very specific to that person. And you could have charts that are similar or around the same time, but it is extremely specific to that person. Uh, so yeah, and that's, and you have to be very careful with reading charts for children because like, I don't do predictive astrology where you can look yeah. at transits, upcoming transits and, and kind of tell people, well, this looks like this, this is, is going to happen future. or this is going to happen. Right. I don't do that because for many reasons for kids, it's, it's kind of unethical because they're young and they have their whole life ahead of them and a lot can change. And if you spend so much time, even for adults, if you spend so much time trying to predict what's going to happen, you're not living in the moment as much. And that's obviously very important for relationships. So yeah, so you have to be careful about doing the predictive astrology. It's fine to look at transits and, and think, oh, well, you know, this difficult transit is coming up. And I know that these tough feelings I have now will pass. That's one thing. But trying to pinpoint when things are going to happen, what's going to happen, that's a little bit more challenging because part of what I teach is you need to kind of flow with the energy, like the parent flows with the child's energy. And that's easier than being oppositional and authoritarian is you kind of let the child guide you and you kind of structure the relationship with the child to get the attachment and connection based on, you know, the child's needs. So yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. And like, I know you've mentioned, like, you know, I know you mentioned on your website about tendency parenting, okay? And um, right. so tendency parenting, from what I understand it from yourself, is where you, um, and tendency parenting is probably the wrong phraseology that I'm using, but um, right. that's where the parent will want the child to be like them or to do like, to be great at sports or to, so they're like living their life vicariously through their ch children, which, um, yeah, like it's not helicopter parenting, is it? Because helicopter parenting is just where they won't let them do it. It's a bit anything. different. But yeah, um, right. I'm trying to think what it would be called out in the big wide world. Um, but yes, is that what you're meaning? Right. So I call that kind of parenting for a place of ego, because oh. as you said, it's about kind of living vicariously through the child, like getting the child to do what the parent wants because it makes the parent look good. Like my child has good grades. Wow. My child is a very social person with a lot of friends, very popular. Like did, you know, uh, does all these things is um, well-liked is it is, you know, uh, um, uh, does sports, like you said, does all these has all these accomplishments, but at the end of the day, a lot of parents I find push the children to do those things or be those, you know, get the good grades and be that way because it makes the parent look good in society, right? That it feeds the parent's ego. So it's not about the child, what's good for the child. And an example I use is I see a lot of parents, we have to get good grades, you have to get good grades. We have to be careful about that because you never want the child to associate their worth with grades or anything extrinsic to themselves. You know, human beings are worthy because they are human be beings, full stop, the end. So the message you're saying to the kids is potentially, well, they're only a worthy person if you get good grades. No, school is about, in my opinion, learning this material because it will serve you in life. The, the grades are a reflection of how well you're learning the material. If you need help, look at you help. Like, I don't think it's a good idea to punish kids for bad grades. Something, you need to figure out what's going on. Why are they not motivated to get the good grades? Or why do they not care? Or do they have a learning disability that needs to be addressed? That's the, the, the point is to prepare them for adult life. It's not the grades. It's not the end. That's a common example I use. So, um, yeah, but but it's about. But it's either... also, it's, it, sorry, sorry no, to cut over you there. I mean, it, but it's also to, um, like my son's just had reports come through and he's just excelled in three new subjects, right? And I sit there and go, wow, okay, that's really good. And I said to him, wow, you must have really worked hard at doing really well at like maths, 
Maths is one of them, and I love maths. So we do do some. We do at because there's only me and him, right? And he sits there and right. goes, "Oh God!" At dinner times, I get him up the table, and he just looks at me and goes, "Oh God, I haven't got to sit here and talk to you, have I?" Like all again for another night. I want to go sit in front of the TV or whatever and just veg out, right? And I'm like, "No, no, no!" And we have a conversation and we do stuff. Mm-hmm like maths problems or like we play games that are mathy orientated or you know and like just to just to do something so he's not looking at me going can we phone nana so i can talk to somebody else you know it's like god love him but he he does live with me 24 7 so you know but um uh you know i take try not to take it personally and um so you know he's worked really hard at it so i said well hey look because you've worked really hard Let's go and get, you know, you can have a little Prezi because you work really hard at it, you know, well done. Um, and But I'm really cognizant of, like, rewarding as well because you go, oh, sure. is he going to expect something? You know, you can't do it all the time. But, like, four, I went, okay, that's really good. So, but, yeah, look, I agree with you. It's it's a fine line, though, because you so want them to do well. That's the thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really you are riding a very fine line between kind of letting them be independent, but also guiding them because the consequences of poor grades could, I mean, there are consequences. So, you know, my son is old enough that I could tell him if you get poor grades or if you don't care about the grades, these are the potential consequences. It's up to you, but these are the consequences. Now he's very diligent. I actually have the opposite issue with him. I have to tell him, dude, you're fine. Like, calm down. Like, don't stress about this test or this art project. But they do. But they do. They stress. Yeah. And that's a that's something that I we struggle with because, like, he this year they had a lot of art projects that were not even graded. It was like a pass-fail system. And he was stressed. And I told him, look, this is not even for a grade. It doesn't even factor into your grades. It's pass-fail. I literally told him, you could slop any old stuff on there, and they'll give you an A or B for or pass for effort. So that's the issue I have with him is like, just take it easy. Why are you putting so much stress on yourself? So, um, yeah. yeah. But is that down to his birth chart? Is that down to who he is as a child? Have you done his birth chart? Oh, yeah, I've done his chart. I've done his chart. Yeah, he is very intense and he is very focused. And that comes across in his schoolwork. He's very focused. Yeah. And so I kind of we kind of let him be like there was a time I would check his homework. Did you get everything right? And I said, that's ah, too much. That's too, yeah, I need to do too that. helicoptering. Now I'll ask him, did you do your homework? Yes. Fine. No problem. And I'll check his grades like once or once a month just to make sure he's learning the material. And that's it. That's all we do because, you know, he's, he's independent enough that he could be in charge of himself. And that's, that's normal childhood development. As they get older, they take on more age appropriate responsibility, they more age appropriate independence. And that's what you want. So yeah. Absolutely. But you're, you, you've got to, it's fine to guide children and explain to them the consequences, potential consequences of actions. If you don't study for this test, this may happen. That's fine. I, I just very, I would caution people with rewarding, like you're suggesting rewarding the outcome. Like the, you had the perfect response. You must've worked really hard. I hope you're proud yes. of yourself for working so hard, not for the grade or the mark for working hard. Right. That's what you, that's what you praise, praise the effort. And, exactly and that's, right. and, that's exactly. It. and you never tell because them. Because otherwise you're hanging on that grade, aren't you? Exactly. And the thing is like, exactly. if they don't get an A next time and they get a B, they yeah. feel as though they failed. Exactly. And you go, well, there's many different reasons. It could be that the teacher was having an off day. They, you, there's just an aspect that you don't really get. Well, that's okay. Just work a bit harder and like study and read something different or, or you might just not be good at it. Like. I was rubbish at English, would you believe? Like, and I hated it, hated it. Had extra lessons and I absolutely hated it. Um, Hate writing. And my job means that I write lots and lots. And I hate writing. I hate writing. Although I'd always wanted to write a novel, but that ain't going to happen because I hate it. But this is okay. Love talking, love talking, love maths. So I could do those. The guys interesting. Everyone has different aptitudes, right? It's not better or worse. People are just have different strengths. And that's, I mean, obviously, that's one of the things great about our world, right? People have different characteristics and different aptitudes. But yeah. So okay. 
So no living precariously for our kids. Like what? Right. Why do we need to, why do we not need to do that? I mean, I think it's a no brainer because it just Mm -hmm. sends them spiraling down into deep, dark depression because they feel like they've failed us. But like, um, how do we not, how do we not do that? How do we stop doing that? How do we not? How do we not do that? Right. And, well, and don't. And sorry, another question. No, you're fine. <laughs> another question because sure. I'm quite interested in this. Like, is it that there are certain star signs or certain people that are more te- have a more of a tendency to do this than others? Oh, look at that! So yes, you nodded. So I'll, I'll take your I'll take your first question. Yeah, your first sorry. Question. So how do we not? You're fine. How do we not? I could talk about this all day, Claire. How do we not live vicariously to the children? Okay. First of all, make sure that you are not sending the message that your love and affection is conditional on anything the child does. Mm. Love, love for the child, love in general, should be unconditional. You love the child, period, the end. That's it. Doesn't matter what they do. So you could tell them nothing when they exhibit stress about something, grades or whatever, the performance. Nothing you could do could ever make me love you any less. You have to, and you have to be very careful about that. Do not withhold approval. Do not withhold affection and attachment um, because of anything they, they do, right? Because of any achievement, like if they don't, if they're on a sports team and don't win the game, you don't withhold approval. You praise the effort. You don't withhold affection. Yeah, that's how I was raised. I was raised that kind of love was transactional, that relationships were transactional. You do this for me and I do this for you. That's not healthy. It's not healthy with a parent-child dynamic. It's not healthy with a husband and wife dynamic, a partner-partner dynamic. So that's the first thing is you you make sure you're not withholding affection. And it's hard sometimes. It's impossible for people to live together and not be irritated once in a while, oh. including parents and children. Yeah. And it's fine to say, hey, what you said irritating me, I'll tell my son, you know, what you said hurt my feelings. Does has no bearing on my feelings for you, my love for you, but it did hurt my feelings in that moment. Yeah. That's all fine. So that's the kind of number one is you never withhold affection, attention, love because of achievement or lack of achievement or their performance on anything. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the big thing. And then the other thing is to remember that just because the parent has preferences, has traits, thick skills does not mean the children is, is, are going to have the same preferences, traits, skills. OK, they're obviously different. Like we talked about, they're different people, they're different beings, so their own sentient being. Um, and and there's a parenting expert, Dr. Shafali Sabari, who wrote this this groundbreaking book on the called the Conscious Parent, which is all about that how children are sent you know intrinsic beings, their own intrinsic beings, their own sovereign beings separate from the parent. And while they need guidance, they need to learn about boundaries. That should be respected. The fact that they are not carbon copies of the parent, they should not. They're not there to fulfill some grand plan of the parent. That's not healthy. So now your second question about the energies. Yes, there are some, no, no, why are you sorry? (laughs) There are some astrological energies that tend to be more controlling than others. So what I see, so I see, so when we talk about earth signs, we talk about um, Capricorn, Virgo, and Taurus, and we talk about modality. So each um, sign can be either cardinal, mutable, or fixed. So Cardinal energy is always intent on moving forward, achievement, progression. Fixed energy is made, is focused on stabilizing things, maintaining things, changing them so they were as they were before. Fixed energy signs have a tougher time with transition. Mutable signs can go either way, like the term suggests. They can exhibit fixed or, or cardinal traits. So uh, Capricorn is cardinal earth. Virgo is mutable earth. So those signs in parents can exhibit, I hesitate to say controlling behavior, but they, because those, because Virgo is very concerned with being organized and precise and Capricorn is concerned with achievement and their earth signs. So they are partly focused on material goods and Mm -hmm. material achievements. When those parents have a lot of Virgo or Capricorn energy in their charts, there's almost always a risk for being too controlling of the child or for putting too much emphasis on material achievements toward the child. So if you're a person with a, you know, parent with a Virgo sun, a Virgo moon, Capricorn sun or Capricorn moon, you know, pay attention to that. Now ask yourself when you're trying, you know, pushing your child children to do something, ask yourself, why am I pushing them to do this? 
why? And if the only thing you can come up with is because I want them to do it, well, that's not a good reason. If there's a better reason, like for them to be safe, for them to learn something, for them to broaden their horizons, all those are laudable goals. But if you only want them to do something because you want them to do it, you really need to think very carefully about pressuring them to do that or trying to get them to do that. And I get a lot of questions from parents like, how do I get my child to do X? Well, you, well, really you don't. don't. I mean, <laughs> you don't. I mean, you can guide them. You can teach about natural consequences. And that's all you can do, especially when they're older, adolescents, teens and older. That's all you can do. But yeah, I mean, there are other side, you know, other other um, uh, zodiac energies can can be controlling fire signs. So Leo, Aries and Sagittarius fire signs, just because of the nature of the sign, because they're ego oriented it makes it a little bit more challenging for them to detach and see things from the other person's yes. point of view. So parents who have a lot of fire energy from their chart, which is fine. Being ego oriented is fine. They're good at self-championing. They're good at standing up for themselves. It's all, all great stuff. In fact, I love my Aries parent friends are the best at, you know, championing for their kids. They are not afraid to step on. My mom's toes. an Aries. They're not afraid. Great. I love it. They're so, not yes. afraid to offend other people. She would be, it's about yeah. protecting their kids. Yeah. She's at the football matches that. cheering my brother on. She'd be at the theater things yeah. that I was doing. Yeah. Defo. Right. And that's fantastic. The, the challenge with fire energy is that, that it is harder for them to detach and see themselves and, and consider the other person's point of view. It's not impossible. It's just a little more challenging. So parents with a lot of fire energy in their chart, I always kind of throw that out there. Like, just make sure you're thinking about this. Well, how does this look to my child or what I just said, or how am I acting? How could my child possibly respond to this or take this? Obviously, because like you mentioned before, sometimes kids misunderstand yes. things and not every adult is a great communicator. Lots of adults, myself included, had to learn to be effective communicators in relationships. So it's up to the adult to communicate effectively to the child. Well, God love my mom because she'll cringe at this if she's listening to this, because I used to go and do something like I'd, because I used to sing and dance and act and all of that stuff when I was younger. And, um, I would go and do a show or whatever. And she would go, wow, that was really good. That was awesome. But you need to smile more. Oh, you need to do this more. (laughs) And like, she was trying to be like, I know, and no offense, mom, if you're listening, like I know you were trying to do X, Y, and Z. You were trying to improve it. You were trying to go, oh, you know, and I find myself, but I stopped myself because of what happened with my mom. So I I find myself going, oh, buddy, you know, with his soccer, I'm going, you need to find space, buddy. You need to do, and I'm going, no, stop. Okay. He's six. Okay. He will find the stuff that he needs to do more of. His coach will tell him, let me just say he was awesome and, um, and go from there. But yeah, she used to say, and I used to go, can you not just say that was good? Like, you know, and she's like, she did. And she loves me and like all of that stuff. And she'll be sitting there going, oh, but, um, but yeah, there were times where I went, oh, just, I don't need to hear it, right? I don't need to hear that I smile. I don't need to hear your your coaching tips, right? You're my mum. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and it was all out of a good place and all of that stuff. And um, yeah, and I don't know if she did it to my brother. I'm sure she did. Um, but yeah, it's it's okay. It's good. But uh, yeah, there were times as a kid where I'd go, oh, God, um, okay. Um, she'll probably phone me and go, I didn't know that was the case, blah, blah, blah. So, right. God love Aries. They're okay. And like, so I'm a Libra. It's a great energy. So I'm Uh a Libra, which is an air sign, right? Mm -hmm. So so are we so far up in the air that we don't really care? (laughs) We're like, just leave it to the world. (laughs) I don't know if I would describe it like that. So Aries and Libra are opposite signs. Yes. Interesting. Which is, which they're actually, it's compatible energy because air and fire. And my dad's a Libra and my mum's an Aries and they've been married for 50 odd years. I honestly don't know how they stay together, but however, you know, obviously. It's worked out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they're they're opposite signs. So they are naturally compatible because the elements are compatible. Fire Fire and air. cannot exist without air. Exactly. Right. So Libra, as we said, very relationship oriented. The issue with Libra, and you can tell me if this, you know, oh, here we go. You, that, you know, they, it's an air sign. So it's very detached, right? So it's, it's easier to put the, for the Libra person to put themselves in the position of the other person. 
Sometimes yes. too much. So that's the issue is sometimes the Libra person risks identifying too much with the needs of the other person and subjugates, represses their own needs and wants. That is always a risk. So you have to, for Libra kids, in fact, I'm coming out with a video on how to parent Libra children on my YouTube channel next week. And that's oh, the big perfect. thing I'm talking about, right? Is you, you have to teach them to self-champion, stand up for themselves to make sure they understand their needs are important too. Yes, the other person's needs are important, but so are theirs. So that's the big risk with Libra people is that they identify so strongly with the needs of the other person in the relationship, whether it's partner to partner or parent to child, friend and friend, that they sometimes won't speak up for themselves. Yes. And I hear I hear some parents describe Libra kids as, oh, they're such a good, well-behaved child. And that kind of I don't like calling children well-behaved or not well-behaved because difficult children usually are the ones that stand up for themselves, which is what I like to see. But when you well-behaved children, sometimes, not always, but sometimes that well-behaved trait comes from not speaking up for their needs because they are so intent on pleasing the other person. So this is so this is not always apparent with the child because the child will come and say, well, you know, I'm repressing my needs because I'm just doing what you want to do. They will have the sophistication yet to make that clear, to communicate that clearly. So it's up to the parent to understand that about the child and engage the child and say, hey, are you okay with this? Or I haven't heard your opinion on this, or I haven't heard you you know, say anything about what you wanna do this weekend. What do you think? And kind of leave it open-ended like that. Yes, and that's so yes and yes. So my child, <laughs> um, when I talk to his teacher at school and I say, is everything okay? Is he good? Is he you know, is there anything I need to be aware of? You know, she's like, no, he's just such a pleasure to teach and he's so good and he's, you know, or he's got loads of friends and, um, you know, and, and I find that he will, he's questioned and gone, such and such hit me today and, you know, and um, that I wasn't very happy about it. And I said, did you go? And so he's told a teacher, which is good, mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I just I wonder whether he just brushes that off, like you say, and he just gets on with mm-hmm. you know. It was very difficult at the start with him to um, he just didn't understand it. Why is somebody being nasty to me? Why has somebody said they don't want to play with me? And because for him, I don't think it's really in his nature, whatever, to actually no, it's do right. that. He's like all inclusive, even kids. So friends who have younger brothers and sisters, you know, normally as a kid you'd want to go, oh, we don't want the younger brother and sister coming along. Like I've got a younger brother. It's like, oh, whatever. Um, but, you know, you, you're you all inclusive. He's all inclusive. So he goes and he plays with the whole of the family as such, like the sister who's like two years younger and the brother and things like that. So, yeah. So it's quite funny. He doesn't want anyone to be Mr. he doesn't want anyone no. to be left out. He doesn't want anyone yeah. to be left out. So Libra is the great diplomat of the zodiac. It is a non-confrontational sign. They do not like direct confrontation. And if you think about air, the element of air is to go around obstacles, not confront them head on. All the air signs have that issue. They don't like to that's my issue. I'm a Gemini son. They don't and a Libra rising. They don't like to to, you know, they don't like confrontation, but sometimes confrontation is necessary. Sometimes you have to tackle things directly. So, right. So um, there's one thing they don't like confrontation. And the symbol for Libra is the scales, yes, right? We call it balance. the scales of justice here. So it's balance the scale. So Libra is all about balance. Well, it's about working with people, harmony. Exactly. You know, Diplomacy, you know being a team, in relationships. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, that's, it doesn't surprise me because he doesn't, like you said, it's not his nature to be aggressive like that. So he doesn't understand why the other children will be like that, but he's young. That will come with time that other people are just different. And unfortunately not everyone is as nice as him or as, you know, concerned about other people's welfare as him or as inclusive as him. Unfortunately, that's the truth, right? That he'll learn as he gets older. And yeah. So yeah. Wow. Okay. There we go. There we go. Um, okay, so how does all of this help us be better parents? I'm assuming that just knowing a bit about who, a bit about your birth chart and your child's birth chart and mm-hmm. things like that, we then can have a bit more of a connection with our kids. 
Yes, absolutely. So if you understand what your child needs to feel emotionally safe, kind of how if they approach the world from a place of logic or a place of emotion or intuition, things like that, they tend to be more independent. If they they tend to be, you know, need more attachment from parents, like you say, that helps you form the attachment and connection. When you understand someone better, whether it's your child, your partner, a friend, you can you can better attach and connect with them. And that's the crux of a strong relationship. So that's exactly right. That's where we're coming from. What about if you find out your child is like the complete opposite? Like I'm a Libra, as I've said, I'm an air sign. Mm-hmm. Don't really deal with water. Mm-hmm. So that's cancer. Is that cancer, Pisces? Right. Cancer, Pisces, Scorpio, Scorpio. right? Mm-hmm. So. Right, right. Um, which is hilarious because my brother's a Pisces. God love him. So. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So how do we. Like, how do you deal with your kid if it's like completely opposite from you? It takes, it takes more effort. And that's my example. I'm a Gemini air sun with the Libra rising air, air, right. With the earth moon. My son is a Scorpio. So water, right. And when he was younger, not so much now because he's older, but when he was younger, he would have these big emotional outbursts. And for me, it was very triggering because I was not allowed to show emotion as a child. So it was very triggering for me. I would freak out. And I was like, why is he being so dramatic? Like, I don't understand this because I approach the world from a place of logic and detachment. He does it. He bonds very closely with the parent. So, or as I needed more independence as a child, he needed more attachment. So I had to learn that. And I had to learn that when he, he needed comfort and empathy first before solutions, like I would go and solve uh. problems for him and then not understand why he was unhappy. It's because he needed comfort and empathy first and then as he got older, I would ask him, do you need me to do anything about this? No, I just need you to listen. Okay, then I'll listen, right? I had to learn that. I had to train wow. myself and I had to train myself. So when he, so when he had these emotional outbursts, I, I would not freak out and yell and just, you know, generally be triggered. I would force myself to be calm. And I would tell him, hey, whatever you're feeling is okay. Like, I understand you have big feelings right now. Like, do you need a break? What do you feel like doing? Let's just maybe go for a walk. And what I learned that, oh, it's because Scorpio people need to feel. They would rather feel terrible than feel nothing. That is the crooks of the Scorpio. They need to feel the entire range of like human emotions. So whereas it looks like, wow, they're being a negative, you know, negative person or they're dwelling on these feelings, it's because they have to feel the feeling, right? They have to. And as kids, they just don't have the emotional regulation yet that adults do. So it comes out of these tantrums. Now, as my son got older, I modeled being calm for him. And he increasingly like those emotional outbursts got less and less dramatic. And now it's to the point that he'll get irritated and he'll go and put himself on a break, like go to his room and take a break. And then he'll come out two minutes later and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I got irritated with you. Or I'm sorry, I snapped with you. Or I feel this or what you said kind of it made me feel bad or I, I felt bad because I felt like you didn't trust me when you said that. He is very articulate because I've worked a long time with him to identify the emotions, right? And I had to train myself to do that. Oh, that was you do. not a natural thing for me, but that is right. So it is. it does take more effort. But to your point about when the energies are so discordant, it is possible. You just have to re-understand the energy, read about it, study it understand the energy and then and then understand what you need to do to work with that energy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. You know, at the end of the day, it is a work in progress, isn't it? These kids don't come with instructions. Um, and so... Parenting is yeah, hard. God, nobody told me what was going on. Like I had this idealistic, it's really funny when you get these comedians who say life before children was like all this idealistic, oh, isn't it going to be great? And then they come into the world and you go, oh, my God, what is this? This is like a whirlwind of pleasure and hell all together in one because there are times where you just go, I need to lock myself in the toilet and eat chocolate for five mm-hmm. minutes because, Jesus, this is, I don't think I can cope. Um, so, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah. God love them. And it must be even worse if you don't, like, in a way, I feel as though I have a connection with my son because we are, well, we're both same star sign. We're very similar. Um, Right. And I am very much like leave him be as such. Um, 
Although he right. would say I'm a little bit driven because I do go, right, come on, maths, blah, blah, blah. But I find it's good connection time as well because then I get to hear about a few things that I'm going, oh, yeah. like I heard about dance club and stuff like that the other right. day and I didn't even know he was going. So, um, yeah, it's just a revelation. I mean, spending one-on-one time together is the most important thing you can do yeah. for the connection. Where you're doing, it could be any activity. You could be watching TV together. You could be going on a walk together. You could be, I took my son to pick strawberries last week. It can be anything. It could be doing math exercises together. And then that's, it's spending pressure-free time together that that presents the space where they could then share things with you. And that's what, that it's, it's those moments that over time build the connection. So where do people find more information about what you're doing um, and where you are? What's going on? Where are you? How do we how do we find out about you? Sure. So I publish regular parenting and astrology content on my YouTube channel, which is called Positive Parenting with Astrology with Maria Rieger. So that's a great way to get like your free regular parenting content. A lot of people ask questions in the comments and I address all those questions myself. And that's, that's uh, one of the best ways to connect with me. And I, I have um, my parenting books are on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Kobo. I have a book called your Scorpio child for parents of Scorpios and a book called your Gemini child for parents of Gemini children. And I do get comments from adults that like adult Scorpios and Gemini people who tell me that those books have been helpful to them reparenting themselves. So I find that they're not, they're also good for adults reparenting themselves, right? From the trauma things we talked about, as well as for parents of those children, right? But those uh, books are available on, yeah, Amazon, all the major retailers. And then I- And you're also, at, um, you've also got a YouTube channel? That's right. Yes. It's called Positive Parenting with Astrology with Maria Rieger. And you can email me directly. I'm at uh, maria at lawschoolheretic.com. And that's also where I blog, lawschoolheretic.com. So I publish some blog stuff and some astrology content on my blog. Okay. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. That's brilliant. Look, thank you so much for coming and talking to me about this subject. I find it fascinating. Um, and yeah, it's just so interesting about learning about different traits and and different um, personality types in our kids and in us, um, and how we can, like, well, hopefully, if knowing about them, um, we can try and do something about it. I, final question, and I've changed up my questions this year, so sure. um, my question this time, final question is. What book would you recommend to my listeners and why? And it can't be your own books. I'm just going to state that now. <laughs> sure. No problem. <laughs> um, I recently wrote a wonderful book. This is the author is Dr. Gabor Mate, M-A-T-E. Oh, he's a physician. I know, you know Gabor Mate. He is, a he is, he is an, fantastic. He's an expert in childhood yes, trauma. He he's fantastic. Well, he's published several books and he has several courses and seminars and on YouTube, he's got free content yeah. on YouTube, and I encourage everyone to every go parent yeah. to check out his work. Uh, so the book I recently finished that he wrote is called Hold On to Your Kids, and it is about attachment and connection and how important it is to maintain the attachment with your children through adolescence and through the teen wow. years. They start to gravitate toward their peers, but it is important that they do not fully orient toward the peers. They still need to accept guidance from the parents. And the book is all about how to do that and how kind of society doesn't really um, support that because uh, society kind of sends a message to parents that, well, kids gravitate toward their peers. That's normal. That's fine to have relationships with friends, but they still need attachment with the parents, even through the teen years and early years. And it's all about how to do that, how important it is. It was extremely validating for me to read because a lot of the stuff he talked about, I did. And like, I would go have lunch with my son at school when he was in like second and third grade, he needed some extra, you know, attention. And he would ask me, can you come have lunch with me? And I was regularly, almost every day going to have lunch with him. And I was almost the only parent that did that, right? I was lucky. I was working from home a lot so I could do that. But I think some of the teachers thought it was weird. But for example, that's one of the examples he talks about in the book. So it was very validating for me to know that, wow, even though 
people think that's weird for me to do. It was a way I maintained the attachment yeah. with him. That was very important. So the book is excellent. Really good read. Great wow. for every parent. Highly recommend. Yes, it. and he like he's awesome. I've I've actually. Um, bought a course that he did on tra- on trauma and healing from trauma um i've mm. and yes. he is a um physician who basically practiced in canada and um practiced for many years um with addicts so that's where it's my my yes. <laughs> that's my connection with it all because i was like well i want to find out about this addictive stuff and you know like why do people why are people addicted and you know what goes on and is it just that they're self-destructive and like all of these things? And so he delves down a lot more into trauma and how it affects addiction and, and various different things like that. So, um, yeah, that's really good. I'm listening to, um, oh, what's it called? I'm listening to it on Audible at the moment. It's a Gabba Mate, Gabba Mate one. What's it called? Um, okay. The Realms of Hungry Ghosts, which is his addiction, his addiction book. Um, which is basically he talks about his time working with um, addicts, drug addicts, alcoholics. He goes into conversations that he's had with them and then he goes into um, dealing with addiction in society and what we really should be doing, which is accepting it and accepting these people and not rejecting these exactly. people. So it's it's very like it's, yeah, it's very interesting. It's, um, yeah, I've been listening to it a long time. I need to get the book finished this month. Um, but, yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. Yes, I know him very well. I think he's awesome. Thank you. Look, thank you so much, Maria, for coming um, on the podcast. It's been really fascinating listening to everything. I wish you all the luck with everything that you're doing. Um, maybe we'll speak again soon um, about some of the other things that are you know, going on with you as well. Keep in touch. And yeah, thanks. Thank you, Claire. Thanks so much for having me. I I love talking about this stuff. It's so important. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.